You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Karen Butler, Senior Editor. Hello, and welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider podcast. I'm Karen Butler, a Senior Editor with Informa Health and Nutrition. Joining me today is Dan Kurzrock, co-founder and chief grain officer at Regrained, whose Super Grain Plus bars were named one of the five finalists in the bars category for the 2018 Supply Side CPG Editor's Choice Awards. Dan, congratulations and thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. Great to be here with you. So let's talk about the journey to this product. Seems like it's been a bit of a wild ride. How did you first get into the health and nutrition industry? Yeah, I was a. Uh, I got into this industry by a, a series of happy accidents. Um, the first of which uh, wasn't wasn't as accidental, I suppose. I was in, in college and I was underage and started brewing my own beer. And through that hobby, which I, I loved very much, um, I discovered that every time I made a batch of beer, I was also making food, or at least it felt like I was making food. And that would be from the grain that you have to soak every time you you, you make beer. Um, and then we'd, we'd go on with the liquid making the, the beer itself, but we'd throw away the food and <laughs> something mm-hmm. felt wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also being a, uh, you know, crafty college student with, um, you know, <laughs> pretty budget conscious. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I was always fascinated with the idea of being able to, to sell the beer in order to make more beer, but didn't want to go to jail. Uh, and so <laughs> realized good, that. Good realized that um, there's actually a pretty rich history of people making things like bread with um, what's called it's called brewer spent grain as I learned and also as I learned it's not only an abundant supply every time you make a batch but it's also super nutritious it's very high in plant protein very high in fiber both dietary and prebiotic fiber um, and it's pretty tasty too and so I started making bread and selling it to friends in the hopes that someday um, you know, I could maybe do something a little bigger, but in that moment, I was I was just happy uh, having one hobby fund another hobby, and if I maybe had a brewery that was also a bakery someday, that would have been um, a dream come true uh, at the time. But as we dug more and more into it, really realized how huge the opportunity was beyond my own home kitchen. Mm-hmm. And as we looked at the industry, we we noticed uh, a few things. Um, one was just how quickly the the beer industry was growing craft specifically you know at the time mm-hmm. uh something like one brewery a day was opening right now it's more than two new breweries are opening a day in the u.s mm. notice that a lot of these breweries were opening in cities which kind of challenged some of the uh the traditional paradigm paradigm of how that production process could work um and through interviewing some of these brewers, learned essentially that they had the same challenge that we did with the grain that they created every time they made a batch of beer. And so realized that the real opportunity, um, this is back in 2011 or so, uh, was to try and offer the breweries a service, urban craft breweries a service, where we could take uh, this grain and, and convert it into into food and then sell that in to the, to the food industry. And so before I knew it, um, my lifelong dream shifted from being a brewery owner to uh, trying to create a uh, platform that could close a loop between one industry and another and do that all over the world. And it's been kind of a wild ride from there, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into. But it's uh, really would not have been able to to predict any of this um, back when I was, you know, 20, making beer in a frat house in UCLA. 
Absolutely. Wow, that's a great story. Um, so you started small, just selling things on campus, um, kind of the farmer's market circuit, that type of thing? Yeah, you I mean, because... Using your, your own spent grains, or how quickly did you kind of scale a little bit and need to find a brewery to partner with? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It was fairly quickly. It did start mm-hmm. super small, just around campus and doing farmers. But the thing that we realized, even though we identified the opportunity as creating this uh, creating an ingredient and then trying to find all the different ways to use that ingredient. You know, we were we were actually thinking in that way back then. Uh, mm-hmm. We knew that we had to prove that people would eat it um, if we were going to be able to do anything else because it was a novel right. ingredient. And so we decided right. uh, that making bars would be a great idea because, boy, did they last a lot longer than a loaf of bread and were a mm-hmm. lot faster to make. You know, we were doing this mm-hmm. by hand in a home kitchen. We got and. You know, it's pretty funny looking back on that because it's not like we analyzed all the different products we could make. We just were like, oh, yeah, we eat a lot of bars. Let's make a bar. That's easier than bread. Right. Sure. Um, and so it was one of our first big events. We actually ran out of our own grain preparing for it. And so we, out of necessity, uh, realized that we'd hit the milestone uh, that we thought was a lot further down the pike of actually trying to partner with a brewery. And so I just started cold calling uh, some of the local ones and actually found that they were very receptive to what we were doing, which was good because that was our yeah, whole working hypothesis was on what this business could be. And so it was, I don't know, maybe 2012 that we started working with our first commercial brewery. And so nice. fairly early on, um, mm-hmm. still part-time business back then. It was for many years. So there's so many gigantic breweries out there. there nobody was doing this. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, it's insane. So to break it down in a uh, way that's a little bit easier to visualize, if you think of a six-pack of beer, on mm-hmm. average, it took about a pound of grain to make that six-pack of beer, um, and only the sugars are needed from that. And so, you know, when you add it up to even just a single brewery in a single year, you know, we're talking about millions of pounds of grain, even if they're not a very big brewery. Um, and so, and you know, we've been as a civilization making beer basically for as long as there has been a civilization. And so it's not like this is a new problem. Um, mm-hmm. well, there's some different things about it with breweries opening in cities and that presented some new challenges. Uh, historically, there's been very close ties between um, between the you know agriculture industry and, and beer. So especially with um, used as cattle feed and just, you know, animal feed in general uh, for, mm-hmm. for a very long time because of how abundant it is in supply and because of how uh, nutritious it, it is. You know, the, the tricky thing is that it's very unstable. So to use it as a food, it has to, we had to innovate some processing to make it actually something that could be, you know, usable um, and, you know, desirable uh, and you know, safe. <laughs> uh, and so it, historically it's been kind of the path of least resistance, um, you know, where if a farmer will come get it or maybe they sell it for, um, a nominal amount to uh, to the farmer uh, for use as feed, and that that is the case for something like eighty eighty five percent of all breweries. Um, okay. But the amount that is not captured in that still represents millions and millions of pounds, hundreds of millions of pounds of um, you know grain, and you know we're really focused on the highest possible use for our planet's resources, right? So if you think of the food mm-hmm. recovery hierarchy, how might we feed more people with less? Um, so mm-hmm. how do we, you know, how might we do more with less in our food system? And so, you know, what we're seeking to do is to uh, present another option, much like happened actually with whey and the dairy industry uh, a few decades mm-hmm. ago, right? So this is mm-hmm. kind of an analog that had been 
you know, I wouldn't say that it was completely unknown. It just was pretty overlooked. You know, there's this big gap between the um, nutritional science and some of the think pieces that were out there about how how we might use this and the actual commercial application of it. And so we set out to um, to be that that the commercial application and try and try and change the paradigm. So the spent grain then is it wet? Is it dry? Or is that kind of part of the challenge? Is you know moving it from their use to your use, and that's the the patented technology you're working on? Yeah, so that's a, a big piece of it. The uh, the artist formerly known as Spent Grain, as we like to call it, um, <laughs> comes out of the brewery extremely wet. They're basically, so, I mean, so to make beer, um, in a nutshell, you've got four ingredients. Um, you've got you've got water, you've got malt, you've got hops, and you've got yeast. And the first 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 thing you do is you take hot water and you just soak the malt. And malt is just sprouted barley um, for the most part. I'm oversimplifying a bit. But so you, you soak the the malt and water and then you drain that liquid and then that's what becomes beer. And so it is like actually as opposed to a juice, you know, where you might where you're squeezing or right. pressing uh, liquid out of something right. to make beer. You're actually adding tremendous amounts of water to um, the grain and then rinsing that that through. And so it's actually about 90 percent of the water footprint of beer, you know, is related actually to the grain you know supply chain. So it's fascinating stuff and it's uh <laughs> you know it needs when it comes out though because of how wet it is it, it spoils very quickly you know in a matter of hours mm -hmm. and so the our technology I hadn't even thought of that till you mentioned the safety aspect. yeah exactly and it's mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's actually where we, we ended up partnering with the usda through another series of happy uh, accidents and good, developed good. Uh, Always a good came, thing. yeah we came to them and um they have a lab here in northern california that's really focused on creating novel ingredients out of plant-based waste and um we approached them and said hey we've got this great idea we know that we can build a market for this we're not really sure how to scale up our actual processing and they said mm -hmm. hey we think we can help and we did a pretty exhaustive search of existing technologies that we could just buy you know to to use um right. so the goal was not to invent something um but what we found you know was, was actually insufficient and so we ended up developing something that was novel enough to file a, a patent on. And so that's kind of what powers regrained is this uh, technology that we developed with the USDA that makes this conversion process um, from, you know, the artist formerly known as spent grain into um, the very versatile, very nutritious, very tasty regrained flour. That's awesome. And so you're not only using that ingredient in your bars, now you're selling that basically flour ingredient to other companies. Yeah, so you know what we're what we're doing is creating a new category around this this new super grain, and we're starting with our bars, and we've actually got another line of products that we'll be releasing uh, in the middle of, of of next year, um, that is all geared towards getting the consumer to um, be really excited about about this grain and what it can do for them and what it can do for the planet. Um, we're also working right now. It's more on a on a kind of selective early adopter um, basis with other food companies that are interested mm -hmm. in working with us to bring products to market um, that that also use this ingredient. You know, what our vision is is really to try and close this loop at at scale. And to do that, we you know to close the loop on billions of pounds of of a novel ingredient, um, we need to find as many applications for it as possible. Um, and we'd like to do that all over the world, everywhere that beer is brewed and, and food is made. And then, so the different types of applications, is it pretty much you can use it anywhere you'd use flour, whether a, a cookie, bread, bread, you said, pancakes, that kind of a thing? Those are some of the applications, yeah. So it's um, interesting, you know, the consumers don't really like the word 
powder. Um, and so we call it a flour. But it, it's, you know, it's, it's actually beyond where you would use a traditional flour. You can use it, um, you know, we've used it in with some success in things like condiments and you know, different kinds of sauces or, um, you know, breadings or so, you know, the classic ones are, are really fun, you know, pizza breads and pizza crust and crackers and cookies and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Um, but the, what we're finding is that it can really be used in a, a honestly astonishing, uh, amount of, of different ways that we're kind of discovering every, every week here. Um, and so it, it shows a lot of promise and that this is, stuff that we've you know we a lot of these applications were shown to us by some of our partners that we're in these early adopter agreements with where they say hey these are all these things that we know how to make why don't we try substituting some regrained in and see what happens and every time you know so far without fail uh, they come back to us and said oh wow we're, we're really surprised at how well this performed and you know all these different applications so and it's very exciting yeah, definitely. Like-minded partnerships. I love it. I noticed um, you use coffee flour in one of your bars, and they're a company that's doing the edible upcycling as well with the, the pulp or the fruit that gets shed from coffee beans during processing. How'd you get connected up with them? Yeah, I mean, so they are, you know, so our peers in, in the edible upcycling movement. And um, you know, so we, we're very, we spend a lot of time with, you know, pretty much all the companies that are that are in that space and even just the community of, of natural food, you know, kind of food 2.0 uh, is a really pretty tight knit. We were, I don't remember even where the original connection point was, uh, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, but we've known them pretty much since, uh, since we were getting, getting going and really was just excited about the idea of having that other layer of storytelling. So, Hey, you know, regrained not only features this, this original upcycled grain, but we're also this, this platform for other upcycled, foods and hey didn't did you know that you know we only use one small part of the uh of the coffee plant um and there's this other amazing um you know piece that that, that we're overlooking and here's a company that's doing something cool with it here's a way that you can incorporate that into your diet too and so you know really all about using our our brand to be an education vehicle to get um as many humans as possible in on this movement with us and so this was a, a really fun and one of our, our more public facing you know, examples of, of that. Yes, yes, definitely. And they've got uh, an international global reach already. So that's a great partnership for you. Um, you mentioned the education piece. I'm imagining that might keep you up a little bit at night trying to figure out how to how to just reach consumers and, and show them the beauty of the ingredients. How are you so, doing outreach on that? Totally. Yeah. So we do a lot of storytelling and it's, it's a, it's, it's probably one of the more fun challenges that we have. Um, but it is a challenge. I mean, you look at our bar packaging and we've got a lot to say, you know, it's almost looks like a Dr. Bronner's bottle. Um, and you know, I love, I love that, that brand, but that's, um, you know, how many people read the whole bottle? Uh, it takes year, it takes years worth of showers to get through, get through it. Um, and so, you know, the challenge is how do you, yeah, how do you convey all the, you know, all the main points that you really want the consumer to, to take away, um, without losing them. Um, I mean, the average consumer mm -hmm. now has an attention span that's, I don't know, probably pretty close to, if not less than that of a goldfish. Um, and so we try to just be really compelling at first. We were really, um, 
you know, really pretty aggressive with branding around eat beer, which was just a, a combination of words that people weren't really used to seeing mm -hmm. together and kind of got their attention. Attention getting. Yeah. And then we'd use that to earn the opportunity to tell them to tell them more. You know, I, I would say in mass, the way that we do it is we, we just try to make food that is on its own delicious mm -hmm. and, and healthy. And so it already checks those boxes that are that are table stakes. And then, you know, we hope that the um, kind of regenerative, you know, planet healing elements of what we're doing uh, once we once we you know, once we we earn our way into their stomach, you know, we can we can then work our way up to their mind. Great strategy. Um, you mentioned your packaging. Uh, also, probably as passionate about that as you are the food aspect of oh, saving gosh, the planet. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about what you've done with that? Yeah. So with everything that we do, we try to bring intentionality um, to it. You know, we see every choice that we make uh, as a business as one that can reflect our values in one way or another. And our and our mission here is to better align the food we eat with the planet we love. And the best way that we can do that is, is by being really thoughtful about every decision we make. Packaging is one that the food industry uh, doesn't really like to talk about so much. They don't like, you know, <laughs> food companies are in the future trash business most of the time. Um, and it's um, it's very troubling, you know, and uh, for, with our business, uh, especially with our, you know, our inherent business model around taking waste and, and, and something that would be considered waste and you know taking it out of those waste streams and feeding people with it to then put that in a package that would end up sitting in a landfill for millennia to come was was not something that I would have been able to sleep at night with. So from the beginning we 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 considered sustainable packaging to be a non negotiable value and with flexible films the, the best option really is compostable. Um, and so it is. It has a lot of challenges, honestly. It, it really does, Karen. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that we're not wavering on, but it, the market is, uh, <laughs> is 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 really trying to throw us, you know, in in a way that um, is, is is difficult. We we really believe though that this is the future. You know, consumers care. There is uh, the technology is is pretty much there. Um, you know, the cost is higher. The shelf life is shorter. Um, but, you know, these options are, are available and we want uh, to create products that um, don't just from a marketing angle seem like they're doing good. We want, you know, no matter where you look under the hood, we want people to see things that are um, indicative of, of choices to, you know, heal our planet and, um, you know, packaging is one that, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be creating a packaging company. Basically, at the same time, I'd be creating a food company. I had to really learn fast um, about that. But it's I'm grateful for the opportunity, even with all the challenges, because it is such an important discussion. And, you know, we hope that um, more and more people start to think about not just what is, uh, you know, in the food that they're eating and what, you know, how their choices can su support the food system in that way, but also um what it's you know what it's wrapped in and how far it traveled and, and those kinds of bigger picture questions that that we really need to be be wrestling with as a society right full life cycle considerations um especially in the individually wrapped you know everybody wants everything so convenient and on the go and it's got to like you said check all the boxes so you've made incredible headway there uh, and in case it wasn't clear um so consumers can basically take that wrapper and put it in their like home composting units is that how it works yeah, so for those consumers that do compost at home, which we recognize is not a, a ton of people, um, you know that that is available. 
Uh, it's also, you know, if you put it in the um, municipal compost streams where you have them, unfortunately, only a small percentage of the country lives with access to, um, you, know, you know, municipal industrial composting systems, but it also break down in those environments. The point is, is that, you know, it will it is made from um, materials that are plant based also. So it's reducing, you know, demand on petroleum on the upstream and then downstream at end of life. Uh, it doesn't you know, it doesn't have to go to go to landfill. It can actually be regenerated and not fill our, our oceans and landfills with plastic. Yeah. And everywhere else it, it ends up. Exactly. Um, and you have tips on your website, I noticed, to help consumers if they're interested, you know, hey, if you've never done this and you want to start composting. So, again, your education piece coming full circle. Really good yeah, to see. Totally. And, you know, we do that also with with uh, with food waste, right? Like a lot of the food waste and you know, we waste 40 percent of all edible food. Right. And actually about 40 percent of that occurs at the home level. So, you know, people can definitely make an impact by supporting companies that are fighting food waste, like like Regrain and Coffee Flower, um, and, you know, and some others. But if we can get people to also think about their own um, habits at home and how they shop for and prepare for uh, for meals. And, you know, that's that's another way that we hope to um, just make this issue a lot more relatable for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. we know that everyone mm -hmm. aspires to make the world a better place. We think that, um, you know, one, one of the ways that we can help out is by taking what might seem like a big, you know, hairy, audacious problem and, and, and make it a little bit more bite-sized and fun for everybody. Yes, I think you've done it. I like the site. It looks great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's a work in, always a work in progress, but we're, uh, we're super thrilled to be, have come as far as we have. Good, good. So let's briefly touch on, um, as we close up, the the bars. We haven't really talked about those. We used so much <laughs> exciting things going yeah. on, but that is why we're here for the yeah. bars that have made it into our finalists. Can you tell us a little bit about the product line? Yes, absolutely. So the bars are the first commercial application of this upcycled uh, grain, the regrained flour. And what we've done is we've built a, um, a product in, a, in the bar format that eats pretty similar to a uh, uh, something like a rice crispy, you know, there's a lot of kind of puffed, puffed, crunchy and crispy textures in it. Mm -hmm. And we've and the hero of the bars, of course, are our main ingredient. But we also have developed some pretty interesting flavor profiles, um, like the ch chocolate coffee flavor. We've got a blueberry ginger, and then a manuka honey uh, and cinnamon. It also has some turmeric in it. And so the bars are uh, really clean label. You know, low low sugar. It's a it's a good source of fiber. We did. We did not set out to create another another protein bar, and so it's uh, it's it's meant to be something that is, is it's snackable. You know, you could eat it at your desk, and it's not going to load you up with sugar and calories, or you can eat it mm -hmm. on a on a bike ride. You know, we like I mentioned when we started making the bar, we didn't put our heads together and, and think about all the different types of companies that we could make and set out and develop, you know, building a bar company. Um, mm -hmm, right. More so as just a application that made a lot of sense. Uh, at the time we were still making them by hand in a, in a home kitchen. Now we're in a commercial facility and uh, moving to a co-packer soon. It's been a, essentially our conversation starter. You know, we're giving someone, literally giving people something that they can chew on as we, as we hopefully earn the opportunity to tell them about all the other things that we're up to. Um, and response has been really positive. You know, we're now in hundreds of, of retailers, you know, actually kind of knocking on the door of a, of a thousand, mostly concentrated on the West Coast. We're on Amazon shipping everywhere on our website, um, distribute through some 
mission aligned partners like Imperfect Produce and into the break rooms of a lot of corporate campuses. So it's 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 pretty it's fun having a consumer consumer product, and we know it's pretty non traditional to have something. You know, it's almost like we're two businesses in one, but we couldn't really imagine doing it any other way. I think you're heading on 14 businesses in one, but all good That's, ones. Are you trying to make me have nightmares? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're an entrepreneur. I know quit spinning. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. Well, Dan, thanks so much for your time today. We want to congratulate you again on Regrain Bars being named a finalist for the 2018 CPG Editor's Choice Awards. We do get hundreds of new products that submit for that each year, so it is quite an accomplishment, as is the work that you and the Regrain team are doing there to help transform the food system. Thank you so much for your efforts in that. Oh, thank you, Karen. Really, really appreciate the recognition and the opportunity to share our story with you. And we'll look forward to see what's coming next. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts.